Summer Skate Studios behind the mask hockey chops present College Hockey West Live for August 30th, 2022. Tonight's special guests, Shereen Sasky and Dave Starman. Behind the Masks College Hockey West Live is brought to you by Peterson Toyota. College graduate, member of the military, and you might be eligible for a special rebate or discount. See us at petersontoyota.com. Top Golf. Let us help you reimagine your next business beating or team building event. See your regional center or go to topgolf.com. The NCHC and nchc.tv. Subscribe to nchc.tv to watch the best in college hockey since 2013. Behind the Mask Hockey Shops. Visit any of our Three Valley locations or go to behindthemask.com whether you're on ice or in line. Jets Pizza. Whether it's our legendary Detroit-style square or New York-style thin crust, Jets Pizza is better because it has to be. Caesars Entertainment Resorts and Casinos, whether it's Las Vegas or any of our other worldwide properties, an iconic vacation awaits you at any of our destinations. Liberty University, play for something more. Faith, education, and hockey at liberty.edu. M-Drive, natural support for men looking to increase energy, strength, and drive. Always free delivery at mdriveformen.com. Summer skates. Whether our original red or new black shower shoes, show your game in style at summerskates.com. And by Drury Inns and Suites. Travel happy again. Book your next stay at drurryhotels.com or at 1-800-DRURY-IN. College Hockey West live from the Summer Skate Studios presented by Behind the Mask, is a part of the IcetimeHockeyWest.com network. Here are your hosts, Scott Strandy and Paul Hornstein. All right, well, welcome in, hockey fans. Indeed, it is Tuesday night, which means it's time for College Hockey West Live. It's our staple. It's where it all started a few years ago. Scott Strandy with you in a very warm Phoenix, Arizona, where we topped out, I think, at 112 today. And, by the way, I'm in a renovated room at the Drury Inn, and it is about 112 in here as well. <laughs> so after the podcast, I will be moving to a different room to get some uh, some air conditioning. But Paul Hornstein, my longtime co-host, joining us from uh, Long Island, New York. Paul, how are you tonight? You didn't bring some of the uh, ice from uh, Oceanside? <laughs> I probably should have. Had I known, had I known, um, they, they're renovating the hotel, which is great. And they upgraded yeah. us today to uh, a top floor uh, room that was uh, right. newly renovated. And I came in this afternoon. It was 75, so I cooled it down a little bit, I thought. Next thing I knew, it was 81. <laughs> so then I yeah, turned well, it down as low as it would go, and it went to 82. <laughs> so, so yeah, uh, a little balmy, a little balmy in here in the uh, well, in that. the desert. Yeah, I get that. It's a little balmy here too. It's uh, it might start to cool down soon, but we always get one of those extended Septembers. It seems like where, uh, and I'm not complaining. Don't get me wrong. Uh, you know me. I like the heat, so it doesn't bother me. <laughs> well, you can have one twelve. Um, yeah. Okay. Talk anyway, to me, once again, talk to me in January. Yeah, that's All okay. I have to say. Yeah, that's okay. Uh, I'll uh, I'll pass the one twelve on to you as a free gift. Let's call it that. Thanks. Um, so you know, it's uh, time to start previewing college hockey. We're less than a month away, I believe, to uh, the start of the hockey season. If exhibition stuff and things like that, you and I talked about the schedules of the teams in our uh, conference uh, last night, um, and today I had a chance to go over and do our first preview at Arizona State. 
and I uh, thought I'd be doing it in Mullet Arena. No, I did it at Oceanside, but you know, it's all right. They, uh, they're still putting the finishing touches on as coach powers told us. And, um, it was a nice visit. Had a chance to visit with new goaltender, TJ Stemptim Felter. Stemptim Felter. There's no S E, you know, Stemptim Felter. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he told me I said it right. So there we go. Okay. If All he right. says it, that's cool. It. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And he got some new pads. He was showing them off today. He got some new yeah, CCM so uh, maroon and gold pads. It's was kind of cool. And uh, then I had to, to uh, visit with the old man. You know who that is? Demetrius Cumansies. Yep. <laughs> Crazy that he's the old man, right? Yeah. And he told me that very quickly that he wasn't the oldest. He was close, but he wasn't quite the oldest. <laughs> and yeah, I said, well, what did you do? Bring Johnny Walker back? <laughs> well, yeah, well, you know, re- remember, he, Demetrius is one of those rare guys that starts as an 18-year-old freshman. You know? Yeah, exactly. Um, and then you had the COVID year in, so. Yeah, so anyway, he's a grad student. He's in. Watched a little scrimmage today as they did the, uh, I don't know what they call it, the battle games or whatever it is, whatever. the fall battle games. Yeah, I And uh, the Maroon team walked away with the Tillman Trophy, so right. Congratulations to them. Saw some really high-end uh, skilled players today, both uh, forwards, defense, and goaltending. Let's not forget, Paul, there's uh, two 6'5 goaltenders and a 6'1 goaltender on this roster. Well, <laughs> you know, um, we can have that argument all day long and that discussion all day long. Uh, you know, we have uh, Dave Starman coming up, and uh, he's a goalie whiz. And, <laughs> and I know I know your thoughts on the goalies and the way they're playing these days. So we'll we'll get uh, into just, that probably. But we could. I I don't know. Dave was that'll be a whole that, show. That'll be a whole that would, show. That would be. But, but then again, you know, I don't, I don't know what to say. I just I know there's got to be somewhere in between. That's all I know. <laughs> well, there is somewhere in between. It's called TJ. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, well, I, I like the way he played today. I thought he looked really good. I thought uh, also that uh, Ben Cross looked really good and really confident. Um, I think uh, Gibson Homer maybe was a little bit starstruck being on the ice for uh, just the last couple of days um, with his new teammates and at the college level. But he'll get there. There's no doubt he'll get there. Coach Power is comfortable with all of them. He said pretty much to me that the, the one that stops the puck the best is the one that's going to play the most. It makes sense. Absolutely. So we'll get into that preview. As you mentioned, we've got two great guests on, two great voices from CBS Sports Network. We've got Dave Starman and Shireen Chasky. Uh, Saski. <laughs> I'm giving her all kinds of new names. Shireen, I'm sorry. Um, anyway, um, coming from the same household, and they're going to uh, they're going to enlighten us on what it's like to uh, do broadcasts for uh, CBS Sports Network, and and more than likely their love for college hockey, because we know that uh that that's definitely there so let's not wait around let's go ahead and invite them on the show i know we got dave for sure dave scott and paul with you how are you do we have shereen close to you oh we are both here and happy to be talking hockey here in 100 degree weather yes well listen it listen there's never a bad time to do it right no no no. and it's funny you talk about the warm weather and the humidity you know out here uh, in the east i was on the ice this afternoon paul over at iceland in new hyde park and Nice. I, I tell you what, they, they wouldn't need a Zamboni and they needed a vacuum. I felt like if you didn't have floaties on, you could have drowned today. I mean, it was just, it was a tough go. Iceland's a great old barn. It's it's actually the original practice home of the Rangers. Right. And it, it's, a, it's a really cool rink and it's it's been well used. The 
North American League, three league, uh, Long Beach Sharks are playing out of there with most of their organization. And I'm, I'm working with their goalies this year on the NA3 team. So it's fun to get started. Now, is now just uh, you'll know this and I because I don't because I uh, being out here in Suffolk County and I haven't coached for a while, but is the Long Beach Arena still there. Oh, it's it's finishing up some construction. So oh. for, for the listeners in the the Iceland was the original practice home of the Rangers, but they all lived in Long Beach, which right. for anybody listening as the southwestern tip of of Nassau County on Long Island. Then the Rangers moved to Long Beach. Uh, their practice rink did that opened up in I believe the early 70s and they were there for a few years before moving up into Westchester County but Long Beach Arena is still there it's still owned by the city of Long Beach and and the Long Beach Lightning play out of there the Long Beach Sharks play out of there a bit there's a lot of high school hockey that plays out of there and and Paul as you know that was the home for a long time of the Long Beach Apple Corps junior program and yeah. we had that thing humming we were cranking out D1 players left and right yeah um yeah i I mean uh that's a legendary local program here and um there's a couple of others and and that's why we always said um how is there not uh, an ncaa division one team on long island with all the schools and all the players that are out here you know what's interesting and it's funny because you know i mean shereen comes from a state obviously where there's a tremendous tradition of college hockey around i mean she's covered Michigan, the Michigan State and Ferris State and Northern Michigan. As a matter of fact, you are famous up in Marquette with with Northern Michigan. I mean, they love you up there. So really, uh, oh God, you you go to Northern Michigan and you mention Shereen's name up there. She she's more popular than the players. It's it's <laughs> it's it's crazy. Like they gave her a they gave her a hard hat with a puck, you know, with the hard hat puck and the whole bit. What's what yeah. was the story with that? I'm an honorary puckhead. That's right, and. And she, I mean, so she's kind of like a big deal with, with that, but like Michigan was an area where, you know, college hockey was so prevalent for a long time and real good college hockey. And, and, and as you guys know, she means a Michigan state alum and, and certainly a proud one. It was there in, when, in the heyday. And, but out here on long Island, you know, it's funny because she remembered, she meant she talked to me like, I can't believe there's not a division one program out here. And a lot of people for a long time felt that way too. I mean, there was good club and, and a lot of people thought Hofstra would be the school with, with its athletic department that would pull the trigger first. And, kind of out of nowhere, LIU first with the women's program, which has been pretty successful. And then the men's program came in and, and Brett Riley has done a really, really nice job with that over a couple of years. And I I feel like if they continue to make the financial investment in that program, because that's going to be important. If they continue to financially invest themselves into that program, then LIU over the next four or five years, I think is going to gain more traction. They're going to attract more players. It's a really good school and they could wind up in any one of three conferences being, I think Atlantic to start, but Hockey East would be right in their wheelhouse in terms of location, and I'm sure Hockey East would love a Long Island-based team. And then you've got the ECAC, which is which is right here also. So I, I, you got a lot of possibility, and I get this funny feeling that they're not going to be the only Long Island Division One team for long. Well, listen, Dave, I hope you're right. I mean, a lot of people also thought Stony Brook might jump in there as well, considering how successful they've been at the ACHA level. But, um, yeah, I, I, remember, I remember sitting in my living room a few years ago when LIU just popped up out of nowhere, and we're like, what? Who? When? So Yeah, that's kind of what everybody did out here. You know, like, it, it, that news broke, and you know, we, were, we were really surprised by it. And here's the biggest problem. It's rinks. Yeah. You, you know how expensive it is to build a rink, and, and that's the biggest issue with 
a lot of programs that would probably like to at least look at Division One hockey. So you, right. you've got the rink, and then you got to have the budget for two teams, men's and women's, if you're going to bring them both in. Mm-hmm. But I really think that out here on the island, the, the biggest issue is a real quality arena for a Division One program. And the, the biggest Division One program out here of any sports, obviously, is St. John's basketball. They've got Carneseca right. Hall, and that's a great building. So a school like LIU would be great if they can have an arena that would be similar. Or, or if Stony Brook decided to go this route, you need a rink where you're not playing. I think playing in a municipal rink or playing kind of in a, an open rink as opposed to your own arena takes a little bit of the luster out of what you're trying to do at the Division One level. Yeah, well, we, we definitely. I agree with that. Um, and 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 sitting here and 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 I, you know, I, I'm sure you've been to Northwell. Um, I was out there for a couple of games against uh, Fairbanks last year and. It's a nice place. It's just not theirs. It, it's, you know, it's a good rink. I mean, we, you know, our, our son played there for a couple of years when, when, when he was playing U13 and U14, it's, it's a really nice facility. It's well done, but you know, like, and, and it's good. I'll tell you what, it's good for what LIU needs right yep. now. But I mean, sure. You can explain this even more when you were at Michigan state, Ron Mason really had that team going. The rink was, I mean, they have their own arena, Mon arena, 4,500. And there was always talk about it should be bigger, it should be bigger. What did Ron Mason keep saying? No, it's perfect as it is. Right, because there was always a demand for your ticket. Yes. And I think that's good. That's part of what I think has to start building here. Yep. Yeah, I think you're totally right. I'll I'll tell you guys. Uh, first of all, Shireen, they love you in Denver too. <laughs> they they love you across the NCHC because everywhere I go, they they're always waiting for you to come out there and and the CBS Sports Network crew and. And whatever crew you're with, uh, it, it's fun. I mean, um, the job that you do is, uh, it, it, to me, it's the most creative and fun because when when we started this company, it was about growing the game. And uh, our motto, our tagline is, we cover the game to grow the game. And I think what you do in talking to the players is so great. So give us all a little insight about how that all got started and, and what you do game days because it's thrilling. Oh, gosh, this could go for a while. Um, That's okay. You know, uh, growing up, I was a huge sports fan, uh, total tomboy, growing up in the Detroit area, loved watching all sports. And uh, I actually wanted to play center field for the Detroit Tigers. That was my dream. (laughs) And I quickly realized, good glove, no stick, no shot. What's the next option? And so, honestly, before I was a teenager, I wanted to be a sports reporter. And I didn't want to be an anchor in studio because I loved being on site. I loved the drama, the excitement of live events. And um, I just followed my dream, working step by step to get where I am. And what I love most about what I do today is that I get to be a storyteller. I try to find the story beyond the story. And in, when I worked at Fox Sports Detroit, um, late 90s through 2010, my boss there, John Tuey, he told me, the more you can introduce players to the audience, the more the audience is going to want to watch. And so I've always tried to find something unique on each team or each player, each coach, uh, no matter what event we're working on. Yeah, that's good stuff. I, I was telling... Um... Paige Shacklett today, uh, <clears throat> when I was at ASU, I said, uh, she, she was complimenting me on an interview, and I said, 
Um, my motto is if I can't make a player smile or laugh at least twice in the interview, I'm not doing a very good job. So uh, I, I get that. That's what that's what it's all about. I had Demetrius Comanzis on today, and I said, um, well, hello there, old man. You've been here five years now and had hip surgery, and you're doing all the things that a 65-year-old does. <laughs> you know, I use that same philosophy whenever I interviewed uh, then Michigan head coach Red Berenson. Red, very stoic, very serious. If I got him to crack a smile during an interview, I knew I did my job. Yeah, fantastic. Fantastic so what, stuff. What, what story, Shireen, that you've done uh, either surprised you with the amount of feedback you got or or you knew was going to be a, a story that um, that that no one kind of knew at all? That's a great question. And I am trying to look uh, back and think. There is a story I did. Oh, gosh. This would be in the early 2000s on a player who played on Michigan's national championship team back in 1996 and 98 and his name is Chris Fox and Chris was kind of this cocky teenager coming out of the Detroit area and a lot of schools wanted him and when he went to interview with Red Berenson in Ann Arbor he sat down and he was expecting Red to sell the program to and the first thing Red said to him is what are you going to do for Michigan? And it kind of shook him a little. And, you know, he went through and ended up playing there, won two national championships. And then, lo and behold, became a neurosurgeon. And one day, Red Berenson's adult son got in an ATV accident and was airlifted to U of M Hospital where Dr. Fox was on staff and he and the other doctors there helped save Red Berenson's son's life. Unbelievable story. And when Michigan approached me on what I like to tell the story as a feature for CCHA Weekly back then, to me, that was a no brainer. That was the pitch high in the sweet zone that you just could hit out of the park. And, uh, it was really powerful and everybody, uh, you know, we shot, we went to U of M hospital and they let us shoot brain surgery because we needed video for the feature and yeah. they actually let us in the room for that. It was unreal. Gave me chills. Well, Mike, uh, we don't even have to go any farther. <laughs> Good oh, stuff. Yeah, we're done. That, yeah, that we're was done. fantastic. So, so Dave, let me ask you this. As we get ready to start another season, and I ask all the guests, and I probably asked you this once before, but when we rolled through the pandemic, everybody told us that um, this was going to be um, the death nail for college hockey. It wasn't going to grow. There's no way. I mean, um, it was cost too much, and, and there wasn't enough fan support. You name it. And now, all of a sudden, uh, teams are not only resurrected, but new teams are coming out of the woodwork I just spent uh, two days with UNLV, and if there's a team in the country that's more prepared to go to NCAA hockey, I want to know who it is because um, they fundraised. They did uh, about $30,000 on a Thursday morning at uh, the um, Luxor uh, eSports arena. 
Um, then they had their golf tournament, had 152 players out there, and uh, raised another, I don't know, a couple hundred thousand, I think, between everything they did there. Um, they're all set, and they got a guy named Bill Foley who keeps building rinks for the NHL quota that he has to do. Uh, I don't know what else. I mean, Nick Raboni, the associate head coach, told me the only thing that's left is to get the stamp of approval from the uh, athletic director at UNLV. I think that would be a home run. I, To me, if you can get into those markets where there's an NHL team, and by the way, find out if their head coach is staying and let me know. But uh, I think that one of the things <laughs> that you need to – not that I'm hinting or anything, but one of the things I think that's really important is – is getting into some of these NHL or at the very least American League cities because, to me, one of the great things that you can sell as a program is being able to tell a young college player who's got potentially some thoughts about playing in the NHL or playing in the American League that you're going to be playing in the same city or potentially even the same building that the NHL team is in. And I think that is a huge recruiting draw. And where a school like LIU has got a nice thing to sell, is they're going to play a lot of their home games or all of their home games at Northwell Health Ice Arena, where the Islanders, it's their practice facility. So you're basically telling your players that every time you practice and play, there's the potential that somebody in their brass that's just either in town or scouting or whatever, I mean, somebody's watching your games from the NHL club. I think that's a really good thing to be able to sell. So if the UNLV gets their team in there and they can – and they get into a good conference, and they and they build a good program, and they've got a good rink to play in. I think, A, the city, B, what UNLV offers, especially in the hospitality department, I mean, because that's one of their, their big schools. There's a – see the weather? I mean, there's a lot to offer there, and it's a brand-name sports school. So, to me, that's that's I think, is the direction that college hockey should be going in to get into those same markets that some of these NHL teams are doing because I don't think there's going to be a competition for the dollar to attract – player or to attract fans between whether it be the silver knights the golden knights or the college team there's enough people coming through las vegas anyway where i don't think that's going to be an issue as to too many demands on the dollar let me follow that up real quickly by telling you two things i told paul when i was there i said i believe las vegas has turned into long island because or manhattan maybe because you can't move anymore anymore at any time of day the traffic is so so thick in uh, in Vegas, and you're absolutely right. Um, UNLV panicked a little bit when Bill Foley said, "I'm bringing an AHL team here," because they said, "Oh no, that's going to hurt our ticket base." But it hasn't. They sold more tickets this year, season tickets this year, than they ever have. And uh, they're they're going to Denver, as you know, to open up the exhibition season um, at Magnus. Then they're going to Alaska to play two games against uh, Anchorage. Then they're coming home and they're bringing Anchorage to come up there and play. And they're going to the new uh, AHL facility, the Dollar Loan Center, and they'll play a game there against them. And then uh, Anchorage will play Liberty as well uh, in Vegas. So if they're not making the step, boy, then I've read the whole uh, the whole script wrong. Listen, I, I, there are there are instances where obviously you've got NHL, AHL in the same area, right? Philadelphia had it with the Flyers and the Phantoms. Chicago's had it with the Blackhawks and the Wolves, and for years people thought that. You know, the Wolves might have been a drain on the Blackhawks, but both are both are thriving. You know, and then, hey, listen, in the New York area, as we all know, I mean, you got three teams that are within about 20 miles of each other between the Rangers, the Islanders, and the Devils. So the bigger your market, especially a, a transient market like Las Vegas, where you've always got people coming in and out, I, 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 think it's, I think it's a home run. I hope it happens. 
and I think we need, like I said, I think we need more of those markets. And and you're right, we were just in Vegas for the for the global shootout with our son in in June, and it is becoming a lot like Manhattan. You can't get anywhere, but there's no congestion tax there, so <laughs> we're not going to get into, we're taking... not getting into that. I, I, Dave, I, 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 we are not getting into that. Uh, just the the I, I, yeah, yeah, I'm just not. I just. <laughs> the Long Island distress way is bad enough. So that's right. <laughs> um, so, so now uh, you guys, this is what season 10 or so, uh, no season. Yeah. It's gotta be close to season 10 for the NCHC. Right. And you guys doing those games now. 13, 14 was year one, I believe. So this would be year. Yeah. This would be year 10 for the conference and wow. for, and for college hockey on what, Started as CSTV and is now the CBS Sports Network. This is year 20 for us. And, and I got to tell you, as the last original left, I, I, it is so cool. It is, first of all, I think it's been great to be going into all these different buildings over all these years with all the different people we've gone in with, whether it's producers, directors, tape ADs, graphics people, play-by-play, ringside, whatever the case is. You know, I, I've been through a lot of these buildings and, and did a lot of these games with a lot of different people. And it's just, it is just so cool year after year to be able to, to keep going back. Cause now on the road, we've built so many friendships in so many cities with, with so many different people, but you know, both attached to programs and not. And so, so that's been a great thing, but I, I mean, I really wear it as a badge of pride. I mean, for the Shireen's been in the business a lot longer than I have and, right. and has a lot more hardware to show for it. But the, the, you know, I, I get to look at her three Emmys every time I wake up every morning. <laughs> but, I mean, I got bupkis. So that's an accident, right? That they're just, Help place there, Shireen, by accident, right? <laughs> I'm like, why don't you do some dusting? No, I won't touch them. <laughs> so, but it's just, it's cool. I mean, Shireen's been in the business longer than I have. So for her, I think this is, what, 25 years on air for you I at least? So. I started in January of 99, covering college hockey. And, I mean, I've been on air since the early 90s, but this is 20 straight, uh, or this year will be 20 straight in college hockey, and it's, it's been one of the more remarkable rides I've ever been a part of. Uh, well, uh, here here's a question I have, and 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 I know Shireen, you work the the Frozen Four on the radio, and I think you do too, Dave. Uh, yes, last year we did it together for the first time, which is great. Now, how different is it to do what you do, Shireen, between TV and radio? Great question. It was a big adjustment for me at first. In television, there's a lot you take for granted because everybody can see where you are. They see who you're with. They see what's going on. In radio, you really have to paint the picture. So little things, coming on break, saying who you are, where you are, what the score is, and then going into your interview or your feature or whatever you're talking about at the time. That took a little bit of adjustment. The thing I like, um, I don't worry about what I look like so much on radio. <laughs> so if I'm running from spot to spot, I don't care if my hair is out of place or, you know, my papers are messed up. Nothing matters there. You just talk and you go. But it was so much fun this year working the Frozen Four with Dave on the same broadcast. We've worked the Frozen Four each year for different networks, but to be on the same broadcast team, that to me was like a crown jewel in our careers. So let me ask you guys both this. Um, I keep telling Paul this. I said, I think the growth of college hockey 
can start and maybe flourish if we could ever get a game of the week. Uh, if we could get some some network to step up and say, hey, Friday or Saturday night, one of those nights we want to feature two really good games. And I think you two would be great to be on the broadcast. So uh, that's my plug for you guys. But don't don't you think that's <laughs> don't you think that's a, a a great way to grow this game is if you could get it in prime time somewhere where where people could look at it all around and just go like, hey, I didn't know this existed because uh, I run into people all the time, and I'm sure you do as well. Uh, you go somewhere and like they'll go, really? Like I I was talking to Steve Potvin, the new head coach of the uh, uh, Tucson Roadrunners, and he was telling me that he'll still go places and people will say, there's a professional hockey team in Tucson. They've been there seven years, six years. Um, and he goes, I just can't believe that people don't understand it. Um, so maybe that would be the way to get started. Is that, is that ever going to be a feasible thing or is it just too expensive to whatever? You know, it's interesting. We both came from networks where that was actually happening for a while. When Shereen was at Fox Sports Detroit, under the leadership of Tom Anastas when he was running the CCHA, and Tom was brilliant in this area. Fox Sports Detroit seemed to have a game on almost every Friday night in the CCHA, and and that was for me that was great when I was first starting out because I was watching all those games, and and it was it was usually Fred Pletch was was the analyst, and Shereen, you were doing ringside, and Ken Daniels was Ken doing Daniels some play by play, play that does the Red Wings, yeah. and among a couple others. So so they had it going, and then when we first started at CSTV. There, were, there was always a guarantee that on Friday night, there were three games on for sure. You had a CCHA game on Fox Sports Detroit. You had the Gophers on Fox Sports North. That was Frank Mazzocco and, and Doug Woog, and that was a wonderful broadcast to listen to. And then you had us on CSTV, and we were across all six conferences. I mean, we could be in the Atlantic. We could be in the WCHA. We could be in the CCHA. We could be in Hockey East. I mean, we were all over the place. So... That was happening for a while. I think a couple of things have happened. Number one is there's more NHL games on now. There's so many of them. So hockey's gotten a bit saturated on TV. I think it's the same problem that, that baseball had. And, and to a small extent, might, that football might be seeing because there's, there's just so many games on that there's not that demand to, to just have that special night anymore. So that's problem one. And, and you brought up the other problem of expenses. It, these games are expensive to produce. Ever since High Def came in, it's, it's a little bit more, and you'll want to make it look like a professional show because if you're if you're going to market your sport, you want it to look top notch, and top notch can can get very expensive, especially in some of the places where they've got to get trucks to for college hockey. So while we would love to see that happen again with some of the networks that we just mentioned and some of the packages that were going on, I just think the availability of windows, especially during the college football and college basketball seasons, really makes it tough. Well, yeah, I'm, I to I'm just totally pleased. agree with you on that. I think that is the problem. Well, I, I understand that, but I, I would like to see, and, and I don't know how you would do this because I'm not a TV executive, but we get a lot of made-for-TV football matchups. And I don't expect to get one every week, but I'd love to see two or three games a year that basically are made-for-TV games. Uh, I, I realize you're going to kind of run – uh, the name brands out there regularly, but it would be nice to see a couple of those uh, games given a little bit of a spotlight. And I don't know how much the conference contracts get in the way of that. It, it really varies. Uh, we had, didn't we have North Dakota, Boston College at the Garden one right. year? Yep. That was a made for TV game. And that was a great broadcast to have. 
a big problem with networks is finding the windows, finding the time slots. With all the sports that are televised these days, there aren't enough channels. And unfortunately, that's one of the challenges. And, you know, it's funny, to, to, to follow that up, I have been saying this now for 15 years, and I could probably go find the USHO story that I wrote about it in from, you know, early in a, a decade and a half ago, and that was we we need to play probably more conference games early, and you need more of the brand names playing each other later. I mean, there's pairwise implications that will go into that for sure, but there's also the ability to market those games. So my feeling is, if you can get Minnesota to play North Dakota in February, that's a you know it's at a conference, but it's a big time matchup. You get it. If you can get, let's say, Boston University to play Michigan in the middle of in the middle of January, late January, early February, that or Boston College to play somebody at a conference that's a big name. To me, those are the games that I think you need, and that's exactly what you're talking about. It's but you've got to get the coaches and the conferences to agree to it. And you're starting to get a lot of turnover now. Now, it's funny. Jerry York was always, yes, yes, yes. That's a great idea. Let's do it. I'm in. We'll play anywhere, anybody, anytime. Doesn't matter. Jerry got it. He thought like a 25-year-old, which is why I love the man and loved his energy and loved his vision. But some of the older coaches, some of the veteran guys, didn't want to get out of the routine of non-conference early, only conference later, because it got you ready for the conference tournament and then into the NCAAs. I think that with this younger group coming in and them seeing the advantage of how important television and mass media can be, you need a few more of these non-conference games at special times of the year when college football is done, college basketball hasn't hit the tournament yet, and the NFL is over. Those viewers want something to see. Well, and in college basketball, they've already done this. Right. The ACC yeah. Big Ten Challenge. If you could get two conferences in college hockey – NCHC, maybe Big Ten, and CHC Hockey East, and you have a weekend where it's head-to-head, yep. I think that would be exciting. No question. Let me ask you this. Could, could we invite you guys to uh, Tempe, Arizona on January 6th and 7th for no. something called the Desert Hockey Classic where ASU is going to take on Boston University, Air Force, and Michigan Tech? You can invite <laughs> us. We'll accept, and we'll even stay until February. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, good, because following that, Arizona State's going to play Minnesota State at home, and they're going to play RIT at home, and they're going to play St. Thomas at home. So there you go. You're all set till February. Perfect. I've been begging for Arizona State to join the NCHC. Imagine going from Grand Forks in February to Arizona State. Perfect. That'd be great. As a matter of fact, you know something? Now that I think about Minnesota State, I've done their last six games. Well, well <laughs> I'm on a roll. I got the Mavericks down. <laughs> oh, listen, right. I, 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 I'm I'm not going to argue with that because I I I I think that would be the best move hockey wise. But you know, the, the the hockey decisions are not always front and center with the business decisions. So, um, that's another story. Yeah. Um, what do you guys? Is, is this the year, as long as you brought up the NCHC, and Scott and I were talking about it a little bit the other night because we had Chris Mayot on, um, is this the year that we see somebody else sneak into the top three uh, of that conference between North Dakota, Denver, and Minnesota Duluth? You better say top four. <laughs> well, the, the... Listen, I got news for you. You could stretch that to top six almost yeah. because 
It's it's this is this is the most unique conference I've ever seen through all of college hockey for a long time. Now think back, hockey East it always used to be BU, BC for sure, right? right? Then it was Maine and UNH right in there, and then you'd get like a fifth or sixth team that would sneak in every once in a while and take that take the five six hole for a little bit, maybe sneak into the top four and then drop out a little bit. But you always had the mainstays. That's changed a lot in hockey East. You know the ECAC. You always had your Cornell and Harvard. Now Quinnipiac is kind of a big deal. And, you know, so you always had your your similar schools that were always kind of up there. In the NCHC, when you look at the standings since the beginning of the conference, it, it is amazing to see the consistency of the upper echelon programs. And here's the beauty of it. Miami has always been a good program. Western yeah. Michigan's always been a good program. Colorado College has generally been a good program. And they, you know, there are schools that have had a lot of trouble cracking the top five on a consistent basis because of how good those other programs are. So it's, it's bizarre because like, if you're Miami, you could be in the top three or four of any other conference in the nation, but you're playing against these behemoths in the NCHC, which are so good that it, it really takes a special couple of recruiting classes for, for a school like Miami. And, and now with CC rebuilding a school like CC to get into that top six. Well, and and like I said, um, we as we also said, you know, if you're that fourth place team and that fourth place team kind of rotates, it's, it seems, depending on uh, on what the, that's almost a guarantee that fourth place finish in that conference. You're getting into the NCAA tournament. So um, that's to me is where the dogfight always is. Well, Sharina and I joke about this all the time. We did it last year. You. You, you get the 1-8 matchup, generally the 1, you'll take it, right? You get the 2-7 matchup, generally you'll take it. 3-6, you could almost say the 3 is maybe a goal better than the 6th place team, but it's not much, it's not a guarantee, but you take it. Then you get to the 4-5 matchup, awesome. right? Good luck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Okay, so I want to ask you about this. We talked a little bit about expansion, and we expanded this year to cover Lindenwood and Alaska Fairbanks and Alaska Anchorage. And I had a chance to visit with uh, Rick Zombo a little bit. And, um, man, I don't know if you've seen his schedule yet, guys, but um, he's starting off in Minnesota, then he's going to Michigan. It's it's just a brutal, brutal schedule. And I said, um, you know, how do you keep the guys focused? And you guys have been around these college athletes, these college hockey players for a long time, but is that a real thing right now for kids with, A, their intention span, and, B, the fact that they, they want to – you know, advance to the next level at, at all costs, and they want to win a national championship. How do you keep a group of young players focused? I think they have to keep themselves focused, to be honest. And this is from watching our youngest move up through youth hockey and now playing 18U. There is nobody more locked in than Ryan Starman. <laughs> And I think what I'm learning from being a hockey mom now is the higher you go, the smaller the difference, the differences between one player and another. So if you're looking for an edge and you're trying to keep moving up, you've got to be locked in. Uh, you know, it's funny. We talked to Rick Zombo. We sat with him this summer when um, Ryan was skating at the rink. And, um, that was Dubuque's camp. Was it yeah, Dubuque's? the big Jewish yeah. HL camp was there. So we, in St. Louis, yeah. right? Yeah, so we were there, and 
You know, I'm a Red Wings fan. I don't know if the Denver people know that, but I'm a diehard <laughs> Red Wings fan. And so to sit down with Rick Zombo, that was like a dream come true for me. But I, I love his energy. I love that he is not going into this um, in an easy way. He's diving right in. You want to play D1? Here it is. And I think that alone will keep the players focused. I tend to agree with you. I think I think you nailed it perfectly. It's it's a lot of it is incumbent upon the players. And here's the thing, Lindenwood knows that they're going to go into every game with an opportunity to do something special if everything goes according to plan. They know that their margin for error is not going to be huge, but to me, I mean, that's a great challenge for for a group of players. And I think that when you get yourself into a situation knowing that you're about to kick off a program's history and you get a chance to leave a a legacy mark on it. The wins and the losses are a small part of it. It's the ability to create the culture and a foundation of a program that hopefully will be around for another 50 years and know that you got it started. Like, I think there's going to be a lot of pride factor in that because people will be talking back to those first couple of years and what do those early players do to help set the table to to get this program going. And and Shereen's right. I mean, Rick has got enough energy for all of us. I think playing for, I think playing for him would be special. Like, he just seems like a really neat guy as a coach. So let me ask you this then, because uh, I sat down with Coach Powers today and we, we talked about the uniqueness that they were still at Oceanside because there's still some finishing touches going on over at the new Mullet Arena. I know everybody loves that name. I gave him credit <laughs> for, for getting out in front of that right away and uh, and taking it on. And, uh, and he said, you know what, we had to. Uh, but anyway, uh, I asked about his players coming in because some of the players were telling me that you know, they feel bad for the guys that were promised a new rink maybe a year or two ago and didn't get to play in it. And uh, now there's guys coming in that have to practice at Oceanside for a month, and then they get to go to the new Mullet Arena. And he said, I think that's really important for building our program because these guys need to see what the other guys that, that laid the groundwork for them were like. So um, I think that's a good thing. Your thoughts? I'll tell you what, I, I did a game between the under-18s and Arizona State a few years back, and they played it at, at Gila River Arena. But uh, the game the night before, they played at Oceanside. And U.S. took their morning skate that morning, and, and I went over like early for the, for the Friday night game at, at Oceanside just to go talk to Brock, to Brock the, the equipment manager of, of USA. And I get there, and he's got this massive sunburn on his neck. And I looked at him, I said, did, I said, did you take a nap outside on your stomach? And fall? like, what the hell happened here? And he goes, yeah, we didn't have a room to lay out our equipment. So we laid out all of our equipment out here in the parking lot to dry up the morning skate. I've got to put suntan lotion on when I was bringing everything back in. And that's how I burned my neck. But this is what Arizona State's guys have dealt with over the years. I mean, they're playing. We talk about not wanting to play the municipal rink. I mean, this rink, you got to bring your own air. I mean, it's not very big. And... And they survived it and they get it. And you know what? They're building a really good program with a lot of difficulties faced because of their facility. And I give them a lot of credit. So this year when they move into the new rink, there's going to be such an unbelievable appreciation for what they have now. And that's what we talked about in terms of paying forward. Like you owe it to the players that kept the program afloat long enough for you to get there. And each one of those guys knows it. And don't think for one second that doesn't factor into every game. And when you're down three, there's just that little intrinsic motivation of, hey, you know what, I'm just lucky to be a part of this thing, and what part can I do to get us to within two? I remember well, let me... covering Brett Lepta at Notre Dame and with the Red Wings. And... I want to play with the Jack. 
Yeah, when they played <laughs> at, the, at the Jack, yeah. And uh, when Brett was with Detroit and Notre Dame was finally getting their new arena, I'm like, hey, isn't that cool? He goes, really? I heard about it for five years. I never got to play. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, here's here's the thing, and 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 and, and we talked about it earlier in terms of, of, of growth. Uh, last year, CC opens up Robeson Arena. And that's the the newest building in college hockey for an entire year. And now you have ASU opening up their building. And it'll be the Don't forget Sacred build- Heart. No, no, that's Sacred what I'm Heart's getting at. Building too. That's, that's what I'm getting at. ASU's new building will be the newest building in college hockey for half a season. <laughs> and, and isn't UConn supposed to open up their building too? Oh, that's a good point too. Yeah, I think I think they're just about ready to go also. And and you know the great the great part about that is with with all these new arenas opening. You know, I, I look at Connecticut and they've got two new buildings going up. One for Sacred Heart, which is I think is going to be unbelievable, and the UConn building is going to be terrific too. So Quinnipiac opened up their new building. God, it's got to be like ten years ago. And look what it did for that program. Yeah. Sacred Heart is on the verge of becoming a real good program too, and that's only going to boost their program. UConn is a brand name school, especially here in the Northeast. But UConn's a brand name school. They get a new ring combined with the success they've had in basketball. They're about to get rolling. So I mean, it's kind of neat. So I hope that the expansion at Munice Arena then for Michigan State helps them a little. <laughs> Just a bit. <laughs> so you guys have been in the NCHC now for a little while, but uh, this this caught me. I had Michael on the show. Um, a while back and uh, when we were talking I was talking about expansion and what the NCHC might want to do or how they would look and Michael brought up something that I guess I should have known but it just didn't ring a bell with me and I'm sure it will with you guys Um, but he told me that when they formed the NCHC they were looking for like-minded universities universities where hockey was near the top of the uh, athletic chart and the universities were similar so I asked him I said Okay, so would Arizona State be a fit? Because right now, uh, hockey is going to be probably the number three revenue generator at Arizona State, but the university itself doesn't really fit your mold. And uh, he kind of sidestepped me a couple times <laughs> about it, but do you think that's still going to be in play if, uh, if they do expand or when they expand? I do think that's going to be a factor. I think there's a couple things that that go into this. Number one is, yeah, you, you talk about the like-minded, you know, like-minded has got a couple of components. Like-minded, like the ECAC is all about like-minded schools, but it's, it's on the academic side. And, right. and that's a part of you get into the ECAC or not. And they're very picky about who they take. So that that's one side of it. You move over to the like-mindedness on the athletic side of it. Yes. Hockey is probably the number one sport, if not one a at every one of the schools, that is part of the NCHC. In Arizona State, we know that football, basketball, obviously, are, are the revenue-generating sports. The, the other component is this, and schools are not going to want to talk about it, but it's there. If you're Minnesota Duluth and you're recruiting a really good kid and he's got the choice of going to Minnesota Duluth or Arizona State, all things being equal, conference being equal. So now you go to Arizona State, you're playing in the same building as the Coyotes, you're in the sun, so you got the pool and you got the social life and all those things that playing out in 90-degree weather incorporate, right? So you're playing a great schedule with Arizona State as your home school. And you're with that kid and you're thinking to yourself, yeah, I can go to Duluth and freeze or I can go to Arizona State 
and <laughs> and play there. And and that's nothing against Duluth. I mean, Duluth's an awesome place to play. But I don't think that some of these schools want to get into a, a recruiting war against a school like Arizona State with the intangible of the weather component and the new rink being there just because of just that dynamic. I think with UNLV, it's the same kind of thing. Like, I, it's the same thing football schools have, have had to deal with, too, between, you know, a kid wants to play in the Big Ten or he wants to play in the SEC. If, if you're a quarterback, where would you rather play? You'd probably rather play in the SEC because you've got good weather all year to throw the ball in. And, and that's what attracts scouts, and that's what attracts contracts, and that's what attracts draft picks and that kind of thing. So I, I do think that the, the issue is going to be where does Arizona State land, and do you want to go and recruit against them in your own conference? But I think a lot will play into it as far as the landscape of college hockey the next two, three years with expansion, with conference, a lot realignment. Yep. We don't know what lies ahead. It's going to be interesting. Well, let me throw this Wait, out there. Hold on, hold on then. a second, Scott. Hold on a second, Scott, because we have to, because I'm sure this is not was not in the forefront of Dave's mind when he gave that example. Okay, Just so you guys know, Scott went to Duluth. And I went to Arizona State. So. Oh, that's funny. And we drop the gloves all the time, you two. All, all the time. All the time. That's great. And don't, hey, like, don't get me wrong. I love Duluth. Like, sure, <laughs> no, I, I, sure, I just wanted to make sure people yeah. I wanted to make sure people know we didn't set you up to that. Uh, sure, I want to ask. Like, oh, my God, it's so cold up there. I'm like, I love going to Duluth. <laughs> okay, so I want to ask you this then. If we talk expansion hypothetically – and uh, and I were to tell you that um, Simon Fraser would join Alaska Fairbanks, Alaska Anchorage, UNLV, um, Arizona State. This is what I tell Coach Powers all the time when he'll listen to me. A lot of times he'll just walk out when I start bringing it up. But I said, I what what did Mike Hastings do in the CCHA? Right? He knew he had the best program. He knew if he was in that conference for ten years, and not to take anything away from that conference, it's very good. But he knew that he could pretty much dominate and get himself a ticket to the NCAA tournament every single year for a while while everybody was trying to catch up to him. Um, so I keep telling Greg Powers, I said, why don't you see if you can get a conference formed out west where you can win that conference for the next 10 years, get your auto bid, and then go uh, go to the national tournament and try to do some damage. Uh, I think that that would help the growth of hockey, but I also think it would really put Arizona State in the forefront. Is that is that a pipe dream, or or what do you guys think? I don't think it's a pipe dream. I think it's a dream that requires absolute commitment from the university. In talking with Mike Hastings this season and at the pros and fours specifically, he talked about the commitment the university has made to hockey, the financial commitment, the commitment to make it not just a game but an event to get the community involved to get the excitement there i think there's so many different things that you have to plug in there paying your assistant coaches a good enough wage to keep them there it's all about the dollars because if you've got the money for the program you can grow the program that much more quickly and your point, your point is a great one. I mean, where can you play where you can make the national tournament? Because I also think that's a, a key component for kids. I mean, kids watch the national tournament a lot. They may watch some regular season games, but they're always going to watch the national tournament. To play in the national tournament is is a special honor, and those kids want to get there. So a guy like Mike Hastings has done a really good job at, 
at maximizing a situation where he knows he's going to be a consistent threat to make that tournament. And right now he's a consistent threat to win that tournament just about every <laughs> yeah. year. And, and, and Shereen brought it up. You know, Hasty talks about the game night being an event. I was really lucky because during my scouting tours, uh, one with Toronto, one with Montreal, it always seemed like Minnesota State had a defenseman that we were running after. And, and uh, Mackie was one. Nelson was one. Brickley was one. I mean, so like for a good span of about nine years or so, we were all running back and forth watching Minnesota State play everywhere. And when you go to Mankato for a game, the, the ring's terrific. It's in a great spot. It's an hour and change south of Minneapolis. It's an easy ride. And there's a lot to do down there. So, I mean, they, and their, their facilities, they've redone everything there over the last couple of years. That is a top-notch program and a top-notch building and will be for the foreseeable future. They did it right, and they're going to be in the national tournament, like, forever. Yeah, I totally agree with you on that. I and, and like I tell Coach Powers all the time, I said like that that's really your goal, right? Is you want to get to play. And here's an example, guys. Uh last uh last year, the the season for Arizona State pretty much ended after their losses uh on the weekend at Minnesota State in late January. So now you gotta come back and you gotta finish out the season and you guys know that you've pretty much been eliminated from going to the national tournament. Uh, how do you keep him fired up and excited? And he he said that was a legitimate problem uh, that he had to had to work through, especially down the stretch. Is how do I keep these guys engaged because they got no conference tournament, and now the the pairwise says that there's really uh, no chance that they're getting in. And so I asked him today. I said, "You're going to Minnesota Duluth and Bemidji State to start your season. Uh, how important are those four games?" And he said, "Immensely," because he said, "When we come back, we got 24 more." at home and only another, you know, eight or so that'll be, that'll be left on the schedule on the road. So we said, we have to go out and do something really special the first two weekends of the season. Absolutely. Cause both of those teams, well, Minnesota Dulles for sure will be a team that their pair wise and their strength and schedule will be a help to anybody who's got wins against them. And Bemidji is always a good program and, and those would be good wins too. And, and their confidence building wins also to me, you know, it's funny. If if your season's getting away from you, no matter what, as a player, you got to think about the next season. Whether your next season is going to be a pro season or the next season is going to be your college season, remember your assist. The assistants in those programs are always out recruiting, and if those guys are taking a notice that well, there's not a lot of team success left, and guys are starting to pack it in. You know what? They're going to go out and start replacing them. And to me, the the biggest motivation for a player is making sure that your jersey's hanging in your stall the next game the next week and the next season. And for the guys that are graduating or the guys that are moving on, you know, they're playing for pro deals, whether it's ECHL deals, AHL deals, NHL deals, Europe, whatever. I mean, those guys are playing for their supper. So to me, staying motivated and staying engaged, it shouldn't be that hard. The question becomes, can they stay motivated and play hard for each other? That to me is always the biggest challenge for a coach whose team is not on the cusp of anything postseason wise. Yeah. Great answer. Great answer. Paul, you got one last one? No, I just uh, I just wanted to, to – to, I got to find out now and, and just to let uh, uh, Dave and Shereen know. I, I have to call my friend <laughs> Phil, who played up at Northern Michigan, and see if he's actually a puckhead because, um, you know <laughs> – no, Which Phil would know. that be, by the way? That would be DiGatano. Okay, so you know Phil was my assistant coach when I coached the Bobcats, right? 
I did not know that. I coached with him for one year when, when he was the head coach of the edge the first time. Okay, so Phil was my assistant. I had Phil DeGatano, who had played at Northern, and Ron Winicky, who had played at Vermont, uh, as my two assistant coaches with the Bobcats one year. I, I'm telling you this, they, those guys made me feel like a genius. I mean, I had two unbelievably <laughs> great assistants, both who were really good skill guys, and there were nights where I used to say, Phil, you take the D, and Ron, you take the forwards. I took the goalies, and it was it was the greatest synergy between three coaches on Long Island probably ever. But Phil is Phil is awesome, and for the fans who don't know, Phil was Phil played. He was one of the few first first guys to come off Long Island. Yeah. Played the USHL, played at Northern Michigan, and wound up finishing his career not only in the American League but playing for Italy at the Olympics in Lillehammer. Yeah. Yep. yep. Yeah, and, he's and, a good and one. And he played against the U.S. in that last round, of, in that last game, in the round robin, and the winner advanced. But uh, it, that was weird. I, had a, I didn't know who the heck to root for, my friend. <laughs> well, we'll talk to Phil. He'll know who Mojo is. He'll probably know Meljo, Lujo, Cujo. Those are all the tough heads. <laughs> I was working at Fox Sports Detroit. They painted me my own tough head helmet and i was foxy joe that's nice. right <laughs> love he it wanted me to give the helmet away when we were uh combining all of our stuff when we got married and i said no way this one is keepsake that's right <laughs> awesome awesome great stuff shireen dave thanks so much for joining us always great to talk hockey with you guys uh Please look me up when you get to Colorado or anywhere uh, in that area because I will uh, I will definitely uh, love to sit down and visit with you guys. Absolutely. We'll see you at Robeson. We'll see you at Magnus. And, Paul, we will see you somewhere on Long Island for sure. Exactly. Definitely. <laughs> look forward to it. All right. Thanks so much. That's uh, Shireen Sasky and Dave Starman joining us tonight on another edition of College Hockey West Live. Paul and I are going to be back in just a couple of minutes to wrap up this edition, this episode in, uh, let's say, three minutes. More than 140 live games from the nation's best college hockey conference. Ready for you, wherever you are, however you want to watch. Your favorite team is on nchc.tv. On your phone, tablet, or stream to your TV. Subscribe now to watch the best in college hockey at nchc.tv. If it's NCHC hockey, it's on nchc.tv. Ask any hockey player in the desert southwest, and they'll all tell you the same thing. We love going to the rink and sandals. Now you can show off your game in style with summer skates. Officially licensed summer skates are comfortable, washable, and can be designed to show off your fandom. Phil Kessel, your guy? Big William Carlson fan? Or is Austin Matthews the man? Have your summer skates designed to show off your favorite NHL player or shout out your own game with your own number. Team discounts and customization available too for groups of 12 or more. Thirsty after getting off the ice? Our new koozies are perfect for keeping that cold one cold in the desert heat. Comfortable and durable, show up to the rink in style. An authorized retailer of summer skates, you can purchase yours through our website at icetimehockeysw.com.
Really, JR? You think you can still do this? I'm focused. You're way too old to hit that target from there. I've been listening to everything you said. It's been running through my head, locked and loaded. All right, still got it. Still got it. Who's old now? At Behind the Mask, we know that players are always messing with their equipment and constantly need to borrow things like tape or need a new mouthpiece during the season. Point is that just because you are fully outfitted to start the season doesn't mean you're good for the year. Make sure that you are always supplied with all of the hockey accessories you need by visiting our stores or BehindTheMask.com. Whether it's an extra mouth guard, wheels and bearings for your inline skates, or extra rolls of tape for your stick, at Behind the Mask, we have all the little things that can make your time at the rink go smoother. Go to any of our three Valley locations or online at BehindTheMask.com. Question? Comment? Let us hear from you on our text message line at 303-943-3772. College Hockey West Live is coming to you from the Summer Skate Studios. Summer Skates, the ultimate hockey player's footwear. Indeed it is. College Hockey West Live. It's a Tuesday night, which means it is our staple night. This is where it all started a few years ago. Scott Serenity with you today in a very hot Phoenix, Arizona. My co-host is always Paul Hornstein out on Long Island, New York. Uh, Paul, you guys got the gang up on me again. Long Islanders, Michigan, uh, everybody against the Minnesotan. But you know what? I held it. I held it. I stood tall. Well, well, yeah, okay. Sort of. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, just a, a great experience getting to talk to them, uh, you know, both Shireen and Dave together because um, you, you get a different point of view. I mean, you know, the stuff about the uh, brain surgeon and, and, and that kind of, you know, that's not what Dave does. Uh, you know, when we usually when we, we, we hear from Dave, it's about the stuff that actually just happened on the ice. Um, and he has a lot of insight. And Shireen has a completely different job to do. And, you know. But here's the beauty, Paul. It's oh, completely no. different, but it's the same. It's at no, the no, same no, ice that. rink at the same time. Yeah, many no, I times. Get that. I understand. Like, like, I get that, and and you know, the she gets to tell the stories. You know, the, the, the it's kind of like me. Don't... I get to tell the stories, and you just kind of do fluff. Um, <laughs> Dave does not do fluff. I, I, you know, I didn't um, say Dave did. I said I you do. <laughs> well. Yeah, I, I do the fluff, you know. You know me. I just kind of wing it. Um, but, well, you, you are know, the one with the palatial estate. Yeah, right. Okay. Um, but it, it, it's great. And and to sit there and to get the varied experiences, because they once again, they come at it from two completely different angles, is is always interesting to me as somebody who has a little bit of the training 
especially from the the, the journalism side. Um, I, I always wonder where the ideas come from, and 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 that to me is 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 harder because you have to get people comfortable with you. Yep. Boy, you said it right there. You have to get them comfortable with you. And don't think that anywhere Shireen goes, she's not royalty, because uh, I saw her at, uh, at North Dakota during the frozen face-off during the pandemic. They had her in a private suite. I've oh, seen sure. her at, uh, at DU, where they have her in a certain area, and they have uh, basically security protecting her everywhere she goes. So, wow. so uh, Dave, you're, you're on your own, but Shireen gets the, uh, the all-star treatment. Well, I'm sure that'll. I'm sure that's what happens when you and I are in the same spot. I am on my own, and <laughs> you get the royal treatment. So, but, uh, well, you know, we'll find out. Well, yeah, we'll see. So, but um, I, I love the 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 fact that uh, you know that that we're getting closer to the season, and you can hear the excitement in their voice too. So. You know, you know, you know what I took away? One of the most interesting pieces that Dave brought up that I thought uh, when we were talking about joining the NCHC, and it, it's something that's been up and brought up, and we've talked about it, other people have talked about it, but is it? It, it sounded like to him it was a big deal if uh, if Arizona State would. Remember, I told you keep Arizona State out of the Big Ten because uh, nobody really wants to see them win a championship in the Big Ten. Um, because they're not quote unquote the Big Ten team, um, it, it's the same way with the NCHC. It sounds like it's like, man, we got to recruit against that, and they're going to play in our same conference, and they could win our same conference, and yet we've got this huge disadvantage to recruit against. Uh, I didn't really think of it, but it sounded like it's legitimate. Well, there, there. Of course, it's 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 a legitimate thing. You know, um, you know, but at, at least for now, once again, you know, those, those those schools in the NCHC, you know, they have much more history. And, and you know, there are players, and I'm sure if we talk to Coach Powers, that even with the fact that the building was built, being built, um some kids are just naturally going to gravitate to the traditional powers. It's just the way it is. Yeah, I, I you know, I, I honestly don't think it'll be that that major of a thing, but I can see that point. I can see that perspective, certainly. Uh, it was interesting today, and I'll kind of end it on this, is that um, Demetrius Kumanzis brought up a couple of things that I didn't think I've heard before, and it wasn't really derogatory. It wasn't really a backhanded slap or anything like that, but he said, you know, I feel really fortunate and I feel like I need to do something special this year for those guys that were promised a new rink and didn't get it before they graduated. I think it's my responsibility to make sure that we have the very best. You know, Coach Powers has said this publicly, he said it to us, certainly said it to me multiple times that um, it went when, and he never says if, when they win the national championship, those guys, those founding fathers are getting rings. It's going to be like they were right there with them. And uh, I think when you hold that true and dear to your heart, 
uh, you're going to have success with your program no matter what. But that was the first time I'd really heard a player say that today. And, and Demetrius took it to heart. I mean, he, he really thinks that he needs to be a big part of helping them win a championship this year so that he can tell the players that, hey, you know, I know you didn't get to come to this new building, but here, here, here's it. We, we won the trophy for you. Well, I, I am sure that's a motivating factor. Uh, and I think that, you know, that he voiced that um, probably shows you why he got a letter. And, you know, it, I'll say it again. When he got hurt last year, the team seemed to lose its balance. He played a big part. He's going to play another big role this year. Yep. Uh, that team looks really good early in the season. I thought every area, every facet looked good. It's just a matter of, uh, and they said this too, both both TJ and uh, Demetrius, they said, you know, it's going to be how we come together as a team. We know we have the talent. We know we have the depth. How do we do it as a team? How do we play for each other? Who's going to be the guy that sells out and blocks that shot to, to save a game from being a 3-3 uh, tie instead of a 3-2 win? You know, those are the things that you're going to be looking for with this team, and it's going to have to start right off the get-go October 1st in Duluth, Minnesota. Yeah, I agree with that. So, All right, take it away, my friend. From the Summer Skate Studios, Behind the Mask, College Hockey West Live, brought to you by Behind the Mask. Whether you use blades or wheels, whatever your hockey needs are, see our three Valley locations or BehindTheMask.com. Peterson Toyota, whether you're looking for your dream car or shopping on a budget, we take the time to find the perfect Toyota to fit your needs. Jesse Ray's Barbecue in Las Vegas, the best in barbecue, Las Vegas style. Available now at our two locations, the original at 5611 South Valley View Boulevard and our new location at 308 North Boulder Highway in Henderson. Are the NCHC and NCHC.TV. Subscribe to NCHC.TV and catch all of the action from the toughest conference in college hockey. Drury Inns and Suites, now an official Disney World Hotel. Book your stay now for travel starting this October at DruryHotels.com. Jets Pizza. Go to JetsPizza.com to find your fresh deal at your nearest Jets location today. Top Golf. Play some of the world's most iconic golf courses without packing a suitcase. Find out how, see your local Top Golf Center, or go to TopGolf.com. Caesars Entertainment Resorts and Casinos worldwide. It's where the action is in the resort or in town. Liberty University, hockey education and faith with equal passion at liberty.edu. And by mDrive, go to mDriveformen.com to see which mDrive formula is for you. College Hockey West Live presented by Behind the Mask and all of the Ice Time hockeywest.com podcasts are live on the Podbean app and available for download at your favorite podcast platforms including iTunes, Google Play Store, Podbean, Spotify, Stitcher, the iHeartRadio app and on the TuneIn app. Ask Alexa to turn on your ITHSW podcasts. Behind the Mask College Hockey West Live and all of our weekly podcasts are a part of the IcetimeHockeyWest.com network. Very well done, my friend. We'll say a big thank you to uh, Shereen Sasky and Dave Starman for joining us tonight and uh, talking some college hockey with us as we start building towards the uh, start of the hockey season, Paul, very, very soon. Less than a month away in some cases. Teams will be playing inter-squad games and exhibitions uh, starting very uh, late in September. And then, of course, the season kicks off for real October 1st, 2nd, 3rd, and rolls on from there until we call a new national champion in Tampa Bay, Florida this year. Um, 
We'll say goodnight with little Roger Klein, the Peacemakers De Niro. Good night, everybody.